Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. Now, I recently went to the Brojo Facebook group and I asked them a question. I said, what real-life barriers to honesty would you like me to address in a podcast? And I got a shitload of questions, so I'm going to do my best to quickly tackle each of them here today. Enjoy. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. So that's going to be in no particular order, and I'll be sharing some stories from some people who have given me more details, but I won't be sharing their names. And we'll just tackle them one at a time and get a discussion, one-way discussion going on honesty. Alright, now the first one's actually about receiving honesty. Somebody's like handling other people's honesty towards you. So one of the Brojo members, he says this, I had a case this week. We're currently interviewing for summer interns and actually got a few people who were pretty impressive. We even doubled our shortlist because of the quality of CVs. We also have a volunteer at the moment who is basically doing the same sort of work, but she called us and asked if she can come and help to get some experience, so it's unpaid. She also applied for the internship and we interviewed her, but unfortunately she had no chance. She was good, but there were others better suited. So rather than string her along, I had a chat to her as soon as we made a decision and explained all of this. I even offered to forward her CV to other companies that we work with to help her. She was so upset that she left and didn't come back again this week. Okay. So the question was actually handling other people's honesty towards you. I think this guy was kind of asking on her behalf. You know, he was honest with her and she couldn't handle it. But I'm actually going to answer it from his perspective, which is how to handle other people who can't handle honesty. And in a word, curiosity. Now you're going to get really tempted when people react badly to your honesty to try and somehow repair it, try and make them feel better. In my next book, The Naked Truth, I talk about this concept of going zero, which is rather than trying to help people with their reaction, you just do nothing at all and let them manage it on their own. But there is one thing you can do is on your own, even once they've run away from the office and then won't come back, is you can apply curiosity to understand their reaction. And you'll know you understand it when you finally get to the point where you say, oh, that's got nothing to do with me. See, anytime you take it personally that someone else was upset by your honesty, you haven't finished your investigation yet, because that's definitely not the answer. One thing to keep in mind, a person can only be harmed by the truth, that is, harmed by reality, if they have a belief system that fails to accept reality. People who can't handle the truth... That's got nothing to do with you. That's to do with how they see the world. They're expecting a world that doesn't exist. And they're upset when they come to find that the world they wanted doesn't exist. Now I look at this situation, you know what I see? I see a girl who is trying to use an internship to get a job. She wasn't just coming to get experience. She wasn't just coming to help out. She was essentially getting her foot in the door so that when it came to hiring, she saw herself as having an advantage. Now, she either started with this strategy or it developed while she was there. But the only reason she's so upset about not getting the job 
is because that was the real reason that she was there at that point in time. Now, if she was really just there to get some experience and help out, she wouldn't have been so crushed about not getting the job. Her upset shows her true agenda. So to understand why she took it badly is to understand her agenda, her motivation, her expectations, her view of how reality should go and how that differs to actual reality. See, there's only one way that somebody can be upset, and that is reality does not meet their expectations. That's the only way someone can be disappointed, frustrated, upset, anything, is they imagined a world that doesn't exist and then were brought into harsh contact with the real world. All you did was bring her into contact with the real world. The only reason that was harsh for her is because she was living in a fantasy world. So you've actually done her a favor, even though she got all upset and ran away and didn't come back. There's a good chance she learned a lesson here, which is... You can't always get what you want. That's a good lesson. As patronizingly obvious as that lesson sounds, a lot of people haven't learned it. They do get upset when they don't get what they want. Think about how many people you know who don't get upset when they don't get what they want. It's very few, right? And yet the truth of the world is, a lot of the time you're not going to get what you want. And you're not doing someone any favors by stringing them along and letting them believe a fantasy that's not true, that the world will submit to their agenda. She was basically manipulating you, bro. She came in under the guise of internship, but really she was trying to leverage her kind of position in the company to guilt trip you into giving her work. That's how I read this. So she's got to learn a lesson here. That's not the way to do it. And it's certainly not the way to react <laughs> to not getting what you want. Imagine if she had reacted differently. Imagine if her reaction would have been more like, okay, so what do I need to do to prove myself to be even better than the applicants? You know, if I was to stay here for another three months, what would you need to see from me to think, man, we need to hire this girl? If she had asked you questions like that, her whole life trajectory would go on a different trajectory. <laughs> Her whole path would be different. Instead of focusing on give me it because my strategy, she would be like, how do I adjust to life rather than expecting something? So for your particular question, I can't answer hers, which is how can she handle a letdown? But you handled her particularly well. You just let her have the truth up front so she wouldn't get strung along. Her reaction has nothing to do with you. She can't handle the truth. But by giving her some of it, Maybe she can become a bit less fragile. Next question. Barrier to honesty. When honesty would hurt your spouse. I'm going to go ahead and just expand this one out to when honesty would hurt someone you care about. Okay, spouse is obviously a big ticket item for a lot of people, but could be your children, could be your sensitive parents, could be your best friend, could be your boss. There are a lot of people that we feel like our honesty would hurt them. Now, I just want you to notice how this was phrased. When honesty would hurt your spouse, as if honesty itself can do harm. Now, I want you to think about it. Can honesty, which is an expression of what is true, do harm? Let's start with the most obvious. Can it do physical harm? Well, unless you shout the words really, really loud into someone's eardrum, no. The words themselves, the volume, the noise, 
Unless someone's hypersensitive to sound, you speaking the truth does not physically do any harm. I know that sounds kind of obvious, but we need to start eliminating, like, where is this harm? You know, if you think honesty does harm, well, exactly where are the injuries? Where are the wounds? Where are the scars of all this truth? So I think we can quickly establish that just speaking the truth in a mild tone without shouting does no harm physically. So immediately we move on to what is the most obvious. We think that it does harm emotionally. Now, for you to make the claim that honesty hurts someone, that honesty itself is harmful, you'd have to be able to prove it. And the way to prove that would be that you could go and say the same truth to a wide range of different people, and they would all be harmed by it. You think about that for a second, that would be a scientific experiment. If, if the hypothesis was honesty is harmful, the truth hurts, then the experiment, the test would be, well, we're going to go and tell a wide range of people, a good representative sample of the population, the same truth, and if indeed the truth is harmful, they should all report back being harmed. So think about this honesty that you're holding back from your spouse. Imagine you were to tell the same thing to 100,000 people from around the world. Would they all be harmed, and would they all be equally harmed? You don't even need to commit the experiment because you can do it just in your head. You'll have had enough experience in your life to be able to answer this question. And the answer, of course, is no. There are a lot of people who could hear what you have to say, and they wouldn't be hurt by it. There'll be some people who don't even understand it because it has no relevance to them. You could say the same thing that you're holding back from your spouse to 100,000 different people, and you would get a different reaction every single time. And not only that, a vast majority of those reactions would probably be no harm done. Okay, there'd be interest, curiosity, whatever, but there wouldn't be actual getting upset and emotionally wounded. Right? So, I know I sound like I'm not answering the question, but I actually am. See, your problem is you think honesty itself can hurt your spouse, but it can't. So now we need to get curious. What is the thing that hurts your spouse? And there's two questions here. One is what I just asked. What is it that hurts your spouse? And two is, are you sure that they're actually hurt by it? See, a lot of the time we do someone a kind of a favor. We're like, okay, we're going to withhold a truth from them because we assume they'll be hurt by it. Even people we know really well, we haven't actually tested this before. For example, maybe your truth is you fantasize about other women. Let's say it's that. Let's say that's your truth and you've never told her this before. And you've come to the conclusion that this would hurt her. And that's the way you phrase this. When honesty would hurt your spouse. It's not a question mark. There's no doubt in your mind. Whatever it is that you're not telling your partner, you're very, very certain that their reaction will be an emotionally harmed one. And yet, how can you be certain when you've never told them before? It's like looking at a food and saying, I wouldn't like the taste of it without having ever tasted it. How could you be 100% certain about that? My wife sneaks, <laughs> she sneaks ingredients into her cooking every now and then that I've told her I don't like. And I always end up eating them and go, oh, that was delicious. She's like, ah, see, you do like mushrooms, you know. It's this thing, I've told myself I don't like stuff, but I've never tried it cooked in a certain way or whatever. And when I'm not aware that that's what's happening, I end up sort of getting caught in the lie. So 
you've been holding this back under the 100% certain assumption that your partner can't handle the truth. So first you've got to ask yourself, why am I so certain of that? Now, sometimes when we know someone really well, we've had enough similar experiences to be able to be kind of accurate about this. Maybe you've told her a lot of similar truths and she's always had a massive explosion as a reaction to it. And you think, you know, this one is really in that same category. It's pretty reasonable to connect the dots and say she's going to have a similar reaction. Now, that doesn't actually happen as much as you think it would. A lot of people go, look, I know my partner. She would be hurt by this. But you've never even tested anything close to it. You have no idea how she's going to react to this from you in this moment in her life. You've just disempowered her you've said you know what she's too fucking weak to handle the truth i'm going to make that call for her i'm going to protect her from this information you're judging her you're judging her as weak how would she feel about that judgment has she come to you and said please protect me from the truth because i'm too weak and fragile to handle it or have you done that on your own are you keeping things from her even though she's never asked you to do that So that first question is, are they really so weak that they can't handle the truth? Or am I just uncomfortable with the potential for them not being able to handle it? Because that's really what's going on. This isn't, what if honesty hurts my spouse? It's, what if their reaction is something that hurts me? That's what you're really asking, isn't it? And that brings us to the second question. Even if honesty would hurt them? subjectively they're a fragile person who can't handle this particular truth how does that compare to what dishonesty will do if you're a normal human being you've been lied to in the in your life haven't you you've had someone hide an important truth from you and then you found out about it later how'd you feel about that i want to share a memory that just popped up for me my, I had a, like a tight-knit group of friends in high school, and we used to always hang out down on the cricket pitch at lunchtime. That was our spot, you know? And uh, there was this thing that always happened. Whenever somebody wasn't there from our group, they were away from school or at something else, we would always just kind of backstab and gossip about them. We're teenagers, but, you know, there's still no excuse for it. But basically, if you weren't there, it was your day to get some. And for some reason, I assumed, without even really thinking about it, that that wouldn't happen to me if I was away. I don't know, maybe I thought I was really in, I was part of the inner circle, or too cool, or whatever. It never occurred to me that the day that I'm away, it's going to be my turn. I always thought I was somehow exempt, like I'd give it, but I'd never have to receive it. Well, one day, I was away. In fact, I was often away. I I had band uh, practice, and, and I'd... Every other lunchtime, I'd go into the music rooms and play with my band. And one day, one particularly honest member of the group said, look, something happened today. I I wasn't really comfortable with it. I thought I should tell you. And it's just, you know, all the guys were just bitching about you today. (laughs) I was like, what? It just blew my mind. And they're like, yeah, you know, about how you're a farm boy and you fuck cows and all this sort of stuff. And so these guys have just been going to town on me behind my back. I mean, it was just kind of taking the piss, but at the same time, they weren't saying it to my face, so there was something kind of hurtful about it, you know. 
And I tell you what, if they had done those same exact jokes to my face, which many of my friends do, wouldn't have hurt me at all. I would have loved it. I would have given as good as I got. It would have just been funny. But when I found out that they had done it behind my back, when that information had been hidden from me, it wasn't so much what they said, but just the fact that it happened, that this was happening behind my back, that important information had been kept from me, that how people really feel about me was a secret. It made me really fucking scared. It was like a wake-up call I had early on in high school, like, holy shit, I can't trust anyone. These are my friends. If I can't trust that how they behave around me is an accurate representation of how they feel about me, what can I trust? And I was really lost, and I was really, you know, that was probably a significant moment that made me even more guarded with people and shut off and disconnected from people. When I found out, hey, what I see on the surface is not happening, is not what's happening underneath with these people. So you got to think, will your dishonesty hurt your spouse more than your honesty? If she finds out that you've been hiding stuff from her, how much is that going to hurt? Because tell you what, we go back to that experiment. You know, you get 100,000 people and you hit them with the same truth. They're all going to react differently. I'll tell you what, you get 100,000 people and you tell them all that their friends have been keeping secrets about them behind their back. That's going to be a much more consistent reaction of pain. So the question really is, do you have the balls to handle her reaction? Because her getting hurt is not your issue. Okay, the only way honesty can hurt someone is if they're already living in a lie. Okay, it's just the pain of being unplugged from the matrix, of finding out what's real. That hurts, but it only hurts because we were living in a fiction. If you're living in the truth, more truth doesn't hurt. If you're someone who's used to truth and honesty, then you're unaffected when somebody does it. Because there is no pain in honesty and truth. There's, reality doesn't hurt us. It's just coming back to reality from our fantasy that hurts us. So you've got to ask yourself, what's better for your partner? Keeping her in a fantasy that will come crashing down inevitably one day? Because trust me, the secrets always come out eventually. Or a little bit of shock now to break her fantasy so that she can trust you and connect with you more over time in the future. I have to say things to my wife every so often that she doesn't like to hear. And she says things to me that I don't like to hear. But that's not harming each other. That's making sure that neither of us gets harmed. We're making sure that we're always up to date on the truth so that no truth can hurt us. It's not being truthful that hurts, it's keeping people out of the loop that eventually hurts them. I hope that answers your question, even though it kind of doesn't. I'm answering what I think the real question is, because I'm just trying to be honest myself. Thank you for that one. All right, moving on. I've got a similar one. The notion that being honest would make someone else feel uncomfortable. I guess this is kind of the same as what I just did. But I'm going to come at it more from the idea that we control people's feelings and that we should. So this is less about, say, some big truth that will hurt your partner's feelings, so to speak. But more about something like being rude or being seen as rude. Again, we've got to start with that premise. Being honest would make someone feel uncomfortable. Why? 
Why would someone have an uncomfortable reaction to reality? It's the same as the previous question. So we've already covered that. I won't rehash it here. But you've got to let go of the idea that you being truthful makes other people feel uncomfortable. Their beliefs make them feel uncomfortable because their beliefs are based in a fantasy fiction world. When your beliefs are based solidly in reality, honesty never makes you uncomfortable. It's dishonesty that makes you uncomfortable, right? Think about it this way. When honesty would make someone uncomfortable, what about when dishonesty makes them comfortable? Isn't that worse? Think about the people who live on lies. I used to. You know, it really hurt my feelings to find out my friends were backstabbing me. And at that moment in my life, when I was really insecure, I kind of wished that I just didn't know. I'd rather live in the lie. Despite the fact that living in the lie was ruining my life, I I bathed in comfort. I'd rather someone pretend that they like me than be honest about not liking me. I mean, imagine the kind of psyche you need to have. Imagine how fragile you must be where you need to be fed lies to survive. Now, let's tackle this in a realistic way. Sometimes you are going to accurately predict, hey, this person's not going to enjoy what I have to say. And not just that, it's not about necessarily hurting them, just discomfort, awkwardness, embarrassment, the kind of heat that rises in your neck when there's a confrontation. I'll share a little uh, incident happened to me the other day. Long story short, I was in a conversation with a friend of mine, and it was really disjointed and disconnected. I was confused. I couldn't understand what he was saying or where he's coming from. It kind of reminded me of times where I had conversations with guys who had schizophrenia, like they just jumped all over the place. It was really manic. And I could feel my heart beating because there was a confrontation coming up, if I wanted to be honest. You know, I knew I could I could roll with what he was doing. I could just sort of go with it. I had that ability. But that would have been dishonest because I having this pumping thought in the front of my mind, what the fuck's going on? I'm confused. And the only honest thing to do would be to say that. And it went exactly as I thought it would in that it created an awkward silence, which then put him on the back foot and made him really uncomfortable. And we were both quite uncomfortable for a good 10 minutes, maybe longer, as we talked back and forth after my little confrontation where I said, hey man, I don't understand what's going on. I feel real disconnected from you. During what he thought was a great conversation. I didn't make him uncomfortable. I didn't make myself uncomfortable. The honesty didn't hurt either of us. What made us uncomfortable was the awkwardness of being disconnected and having that called out. But the awkwardness is a temporal state. If you can stay there and work through it, it doesn't last. And so we went back and forth and back and forth, and 10 minutes later, we're in a deeper, meaningful conversation. In fact, the rest of the conversation was mostly about that awkward moment. And it was a very real and connected conversation. So we got through the discomfort together and onto the other side, and this time we weren't living in a dishonest comfort, but an honest one that we had earned through connection. A lot of people won't start an uncomfortable truth because they don't see that they can get to the other side and that it's better on the other side. Like swimming through a cold lake to get to your favorite island. People are always looking for the easy way out. They're looking for the easy going, don't rock the boat, smooth and problem free way. Without realizing the most direct route means getting more uncomfortable first so that you can be even more comfortable later.
you pay up front with honesty. You have the little conversation that doesn't quite go so well first, so that you can have a great connection later. A lot of people are trying to have the easy, good, comfortable feeling with someone now. They're not willing to pay for it, they want it for free. And so they trade dishonesty for it. They go, you know what, I'm just going to not rock the boat. And we always tell ourselves these bullshit fucking stories to justify this, you know, like, oh, i just got to be polite, or i got to be professional, or, you know, it's not worth the fight. It's all bullshit. It's always fucking crap, these excuses. The fact that you even have to tell yourself a story about why you're not being honest shows that you're full of shit. If you were living by your values, there's no story. There's no narrative or excuse or justification. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. If you have to talk yourself into it, it's probably not the right thing to do. With the exception of courage. So, yes, sometimes being honest is going to have an uncomfortable reaction. But you've got to understand what you're most worried about, just like the previous guy. You tell yourself this kind of noble story like, I don't want them to be uncomfortable. But that's not true, is it? What you're most concerned about is how uncomfortable you're going to be in reaction to their discomfort. So there's actually a real selfishness to this form of dishonesty. But you don't know you're being selfish because you told yourself the story about how you don't want to be rude or how it's professional or this is the nice thing to do. And you don't realize, actually, I'm just wussing out of a bit of discomfort for myself. And I'm not even making fun of you for being a coward I'm telling you, you're missing out. That discomfort, it's like missing out on going to the gym. Alright, you're missing out on training. You know what really fucking changed my confidence in terms of assertiveness and courage more than anything else? It was having to go into work every day as a probation officer and have three to four serious confrontations. We're talking five days a week. Anywhere between 10 to 20 confrontations with scary people per week. That was good fucking training. Really, I mean, people listening to this, you should be jealous that you don't have that. Really, I was fucking lucky. Don't get me wrong, it was uncomfortable. For for years it was uncomfortable. It took me a long time to get okay with that because it was my greatest fear, confrontation, my biggest phobia. But by endlessly exposing myself to it, I just felt my kind of inner muscle growing. That sounded sexual. Well, you know, my brain muscle. I can feel like I can handle this more. I can handle other people being angry easier. I can handle other people being depressed, upset, anxious, disappointed. All these things I used to, like, avoid making people feel. Now I can just be there while they have that emotion and not have to do anything about it. And I'm fine. And the only way you're going to get to that sensation where you don't care how they're going to react, and I don't mean you don't care about them, like you're not apathetic, you just don't change who you are to prevent them from having emotions. To get there is total freedom. You can say whatever you want once you're there, and you'll realize that people can handle the truth, as long as you can handle them having their initial reaction, which is usually a negative one. So, the notion that being honest would make someone feel uncomfortable... It's more like being dishonest keeps them in a comfortable kind of fantasy world that will come crashing down. And being honest helps break them out of it while training you in courage. So you decide which one you'd prefer. Next one, accepting consequences of the truth. 
A lot of the time I think to myself that I could totally cut a situation down to being resolved in minutes, but it might mean some immediate suffering. I guess it's about being brave and understanding that taking the consequences of being honest is better than living with a web of lies. Procrastination making things worse. We kind of answered your own question in a sense. Look, here's the ultimate kind of dilemma at the core of honesty. Do I pay now or pay later? That's really it, isn't it? Most of you can see, hey, you know, especially when you're looking back over a situation, you think, fuck, if I'd just been direct, I would have resolved that very, very quickly. But because I dragged it out and beat around the bush and was really indirect and procrastinated, now it's a big deal and it's hard to deal with. You notice how much harder it becomes to be honest once you start being dishonest about something? Because now you've got to admit to initially being dishonest about it. So there's this extra barrier now. You know, a classic scenario is say somebody invites you to something and you use an excuse to get out of it. And then they find out that that excuse isn't legit. So you use another one. And now you're building this like web of lies and they're starting to get suspicious. And this thing's dragging out and you're not having to communicate about this thing for fucking hours. When if at the start you just said, nah, I can't be bothered, it would have been just done and dusted. But you had to go through the big rigmarole because you're trying to avoid any kind of uncomfortable reaction on their part. The consequences of the truth, it's like ripping off a plaster. You just do it quick and there's a short, sharp pain, awkwardness, confrontation, conflict, whatever. And then it's done. And it's done at like the smallest possible level. Like that's the worst it's going to be. And it's this little thing. But if you fucking drag it out and hide things and, you know, be really indirect and kind of work your way up to it very slowly, by the time the truth comes out, it's a big fucking deal. This is when it ends relationships. This is where you lose your job. It's it's growing so massive. And often the main pain is just the fact that the other person's been deceived. You think about it like somebody who cheats on their partner, right? By the time they finally either get caught or admit to it, there's been so much deception to hide the cheating that the person who's been cheated on is just so betrayed and so embarrassed about being betrayed. See, being cheated on is only half the pain. The fact that they were smiling and carrying on with their life and telling their friends about how great their relationship was, that humiliation of finding out that that's a lie... And that everyone is going to find out about this. That's what really hurts the most. And and the lack of trust they then have in themselves and other people from there on out. Now they can't even trust themselves to know if things are going well or not. Because they finally find out how easy it is to be manipulated. And they can't trust other people because they thought you were legit. Now it turns out you're full of shit. They can't trust their own judgment of people anymore. That is so much more painful then if you dial right back to the start and go, you know what, I had an impulse to cheat on you. Before you even start cheating, you bring it up. Now, that might end the relationship. But it won't end it in the way that cheating would end it. It won't end it in the big, dramatic, catastrophic way. It'll end it more in the short, sharp, okay, I guess we're not right for each other way. And that's only one of the options. This might actually improve your relationship Maybe your partner wants things to work out. So when you say, look, I've been thinking lately, you know, desire for other women, like I might cheat. She might say, well, why do you feel that way? And a conversation begins and maybe the relationship can be repaired. 
But if you come and say, oh, look, you know, the reason there's that bra in the back of my car is because I've been cheating on you for six months and you didn't know about it and all your friends are going to fucking think you're a loser now. There's almost no way to repair that. Damage is too great. It's just too catastrophic. A lot of people, they think, look, I just don't want this minor bother, this minor hassle, this little discomfort. I'll just put it off one day or I'll just skip over it. And they don't realize, hey, you can't. (laughs) You think life's going to let you get away with that? Life doesn't fucking let you get away with that. You're much better off going, you know what? Every tiny little thing that might be uncomfortable, I've got to bring it up. Just to make sure it never grows into a big thing. And a lot of you will be worried that, fuck, if I start doing that, I'm just going to be negative all the time. Well, you've got to be honest about the positive things too. Don't forget that. You've got to be honest about liking people, about appreciating them, about gratitude. You balance it all out to be accurate. But a lot of you have got so many little things that you're keeping secret that it feels like there's just this cue of negativity in your head. And you might have to get that all out first to kind of reset the meter. But you can also balance it out. Look, I'll be a bit negative and a bit positive, but the point is, get as much truth out as I can. Balanced, accurate, real. Like the person who wrote this comment says, procrastination makes things worse, not better. And you just got to stop kidding yourself about that. If you haven't learned that lesson yet, just look back over your life and go, okay, which has worked better for me? Being honest right from the get-go? Or dragging it out with dishonesty? Which one has the best long-term outcomes? And you can answer that question yourself with your own life. You'll figure it out. Next one. Dealing with ego and other embedded psychological biases that inhibit honesty. Yeah, you know what? I talk about this in my new book, The Naked Truth. Lying to ourselves is the biggest problem. Lying to other people doesn't happen nearly as much as us lying to ourselves. Isn't it fucking scary that we can lie to ourselves? That our brain can lie to itself and then believe its own lie. It makes more sense when you realize we don't really actually have just one brain. We have multiple layers and they aren't necessarily connected in a coherent way. One part of your brain can lie to the other part and trick it while hiding from your awareness that this is happening. So it's really is like a committee, almost like a political group inside your head, all playing games to get what they want. So when you talk about dealing with the ego, really the first thing you've got to let go of is the idea that you are a single thing, that you're this one entity, like I am Dan. That's a lie. I'm not a single entity. I'm a range of agendas and impulses and perspectives and drives and desires And quite often these are in competition with each other. And they lie to each other and trick each other. Now, I've found through long, painful work on my integrity that there is a way of living that satisfies them all. You know, they have to all be bought into line slowly but surely. But once you're living with integrity, living by your values, you'll find that all the parts of your brain generally get along pretty well. But they never get along 100%. Now, this guy mentions embedded psychological biases. I really recommend doing lots of research on cognitive biases. If you can get around the idea that your brain doesn't actually function as well as you think it does, it'll help you a lot when it comes to honesty. Ego is really a kind of short-term categorical word to describe all the sort of unhelpful instant gratification impulses you have in your head. 
We'll call it ego when you just want to look good or you just want to feel good or you just want other people to see you a certain way. Really, these are all just different drives from different parts of the brain. They're all very interested in short-term rewards. And honesty doesn't really go all that well with short-term rewards until you build a very honest life. And then honesty becomes your short-term reward. See, this is why if you live with integrity for like a whole year, if you're ruthlessly honest for like a whole year, you'll eventually form a life where honesty gets instant rewards and dishonesty gets instant pain. You reset everything. And then it becomes easy to be honest. See, it's much easier for me to be honest now than it is to be dishonest. I get instant pain when I'm dishonest now. I get guilt. I get people look at me funny. And that's why I do it so rarely these days is because there's no reward in it. Not like there used to be where I made people laugh and they liked me and I got praise at work and all that. You know, I used to get instant rewards for dishonesty and honesty, because it was always breaking the fantasy, seemed to get pain. But I did a lot of research. One of the best things I ever learned about was cognitive biases. I did a course, uh, a paper in my psychology course called Critical Thinking. And that was probably the most mind-blowing educational experience I've ever had. When I realized, holy shit, my brain tricks me. And once I got that basic premise under my hat, like, holy shit, I can't trust my own brain. I have to be careful with it because it's full of shit. It doesn't know everything. It pretends. It lies. I'm actually living with a manipulator inside my head who I can't even see, and I need to be fucking careful about him. Rather than the egotistical point of view, which is I am the single unit who's always right. That's a recipe for disaster to see yourself in such an inaccurate way. So I recommend you jump on Google, you type in cognitive biases and you start reading. Type in logical fallacies and start reading. Type in critical thinking and skepticism and start doing some self-taught education. Start with the premise, like, before I can be honest, I first have to realize that I lie to myself. Now, I don't always know when this is happening, but if I learn to talk in an honest way, I'll catch myself doing it. You know, if I, if I try to be as honest as possible, I'll say, like, look, I just don't like tomatoes. Then my wife will say, what, there was tomatoes in that dish yesterday. I'm like, huh, so don't I like tomatoes or what's going on there? Did I just lie to myself about my flavor preferences? And you catch yourself because you're always putting it out there. You're always putting out what you think is true. See, when you're being honest, it's not the same as being correct. You know, you can be very honest without fucking saying anything that's remotely objectively correct. Right? There are flat earthers out there being as honest as they possibly can be about the earth being flat. And they're very, very, very fucking wrong about that. But they don't know it. They are being honest, but they're not being truthful. But at least because they're putting it out there, they will hear other people challenge their ideas and maybe they'll come to a point where they can find the truth. But they're lying to themselves first and foremost. And until they can see that, they're going to be stuck in that lie. They're living inside the matrix that they created themselves. So your ego is essentially the lie you tell yourself about who you are. You'll know that you don't have any ego left, I think, when you realize that you are not a thing at all. You know, one of the things I like to remember sometimes is that my body, including my brain, is made of atoms that don't even touch each other. I'm not even a single physical unit. I'm essentially a cloud of atoms that hang out near each other consistently. 
right? You can, if you get a small enough particle, it can pass right through my body without touching the sides. So the idea that I'm a single unit is definitely full of shit. At the basic physiological level, it's full of shit. So I've got to stop thinking of myself as Dan or a coach or a good husband or whatever my ego calls me because I'm none of those things. I'm just a collection of atoms arguing with each other, essentially. And it actually helps me to think of that. But maybe not right before bed because then you start freaking out. All right, see if how many I can get through here. Next one. Navigating cultural and religious sensitivities. In other words, when breaking from tradition. I know many people, typically second or third generation immigrants, who have to kind of live double lives. Yeah, man, I've had a lot of clients with this one, and this one's a real pickle. Where you actually come from a cultural background that encourages one form of dishonesty. Certain traditions and so on. And then you go to another country that has their own rules to follow. Neither of them probably are fully honest. And you've got to live this kind of split personality. I've had a lot of Chinese clients who come from like conservative Chinese background. Their parents immigrate over here. And then they've got to be like a Kiwi kid at school. And then they're like subservient Chinese student at home. Even myself coming over to Czech Republic. You know, Czech Republic is dominated by Roman Catholicism. And the value system, family is the number one. I'm coming from New Zealand that is almost really the probably the most atheist country I've ever been to. And Korea and self is at the top of the hierarchy. Family's actually a few levels down, if you're white. And so I come here and I feel like I'm living in an alien planet sometimes. I sometimes struggle to understand why people make decisions the way they do because their value system is so different to mine. And there is a real urge, a temptation, to try and fit in. I want to put it out there. Being honest doesn't have to mean being disrespectful. But being respectful doesn't have to mean being dishonest. There is a way to be both. But it doesn't mean that people will respond well. For example, my wife's a Catholic. She believes in God. You know, before we get on a plane, she goes down and she puts the water on her and prays. She'll even go, like, if she's feeling bad about herself, she'll go and hang out in that little room with the curtain and tell some stranger her secrets. You know, she does all that stuff. And to me, it's all bollocks, right? Really. I, I just I just don't believe any of it. But not once do I stop her doing it. I'll express my views honestly, especially if she tries to get me involved in it. I'll drive her to the church myself before we go on a plane. So I'll respect her religious beliefs. And it's not even like as long as she respects mine. I don't care whether she respects mine or not. I respect hers because I have the value of respect. But I won't go and pray. I won't pretend that I'm the same. Now this is hard for me to say because as you've heard from my background, I'm not coming from the kind of cultural or religious tradition that the guy asking this question is and who he's representing. I haven't come from like some hard out traditional culture. There is no white culture in New Zealand. You're just whatever your family wants to be in that generation, right? We don't have traditions of culture. We might grab something from someone else, a bit of Christmas or Halloween or something, but we don't know what we're doing. We're just making it up. But I feel quite certain if I have my brain right now as it is, and you put me in a situation 
like the one you're talking about, I would let my family be what they want, but I wouldn't change to suit them. Even if they were really harsh about it, even if they threatened to disown me. Okay. Now, this is all hypothesis because I cannot actually test this because my family's not like it. However, I have come across to become part of a family who's Roman Catholic with very traditional values. And I don't change who I am to fit in with them. I'm okay with them not liking me if that's going to be the case. Granted, I'm in my 30s and I've done all this work on myself before being put in that situation. If I was to be raised in that situation, it would be fucking a million times harder. I feel you on that one. But I've got to say the only thing that I believe, which is you've got to find your own values and live by them. And it's not something that someone else taught you. It's not even mine. I'm not saying, hey, fuck your family, listen to me. I'm saying, fuck both of us, figure it out for yourself. What do you think is right? How do you think people should act? How do you think you should act? Live according to that. And in the book, I won't go into it now, but in my new book, I talk about making an acceptance agreement. There's a kind of confrontation, a friendly, compassionate, respectful one that you can have with family to explain the differences between you and them and to invite them to accept you for it. A kind of agreement that, you know, live and let live. You won't fuck with their thing as long as they don't fuck with yours. And that'll be the agreement for how you interact with each other. And you can still, you can pick and choose what traditions you want to be part of. Like my family here in Czech, they have this really traditional Christmas. And I get stuck in, you know, help the father kill the carp for the dinner. And we do all these weird, weird things. Um, Melting lead into water, see what shape it makes and stuff. But I don't go to church in the morning with them. To the mass because that would just be false on my part you know we probably are going to baptize our daughter but i'm not going to pretend to pray or sing or anything during the ceremony i'll just be there and then my daughter can actually choose whether or not she wants to be catholic when she's older but i'm happy to be part of this sort of family tradition that brings everyone together so i'm picking and choosing carefully based on what i think is right what i'm what is it kind of indifferent to me, like I don't care either way, so I'll just let it go, versus the things I'm going to take a stand on that matter to me. And honesty means you deciding that for yourself as well. And if it means that you're going to be seen as taboo, or you're going to break the rules, and that's what aligns with your values, then that's what you got to do. And they'll either love you for it or they won't, and that's more about them than it is about you. But uh, I'll, I'll just tell you this for nothing. In my work as a coach, the hardest thing I've ever had to help people with is when their family won't accept their honesty. That's probably the most difficult situation anyone has to face where they have to choose between integrity and family. My vote, integrity. Your family can get on board with integrity, but your integrity cannot get on board with you succumbing to your family and disrespecting yourself. Alright, I'll try and get as many of these in as I can. Next one. Here's a good one. Situations where it seems undeniable that you've got more to lose than gain by being honest. Now this one, it's all about where your focus is. I've got to go full disclosure, I guess. One of the main reasons that I'm honest as often as I can be is because the thing I'm trying to gain is integrity and confidence. I don't actually have a higher outcome than that that I'm heading for. 
So money, fame, popularity, love, possessions, these all rank underneath integrity for me. I think being confident, which I think is what comes from living with integrity consistently, is a better reward than anything else. So when you say that you've got more to lose than gain by being honest, it tells me that your chief focus is not integrity and confidence. You want something else even more than that. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's people's approval. Maybe it's looking good. There's something that you think is more important than having integrity. If your top priority is to have integrity, then you're never going to have more to lose than gain by being honest. Because being honest always serves integrity more than being dishonest does. So where you really got to question yourself is, what am I prioritizing? Now let's say you're prioritizing money. That's what most people end up compromising their values for. Or you're prioritizing love. So most people will be dishonest to make people like them. Let's even look at that in a more practical way. What's more likely to last 50 years? A business that's honest and has integrity? Or one that deceives people into getting their money? Simple question. Which one's going to be more profitable decades down the line? Most of the time. Yes, there are the occasional wolf of Wall Streets. He ended up in jail, remember? His money was all taken away from him. He's still going now. But nearly everyone thinks he's a dick. He used to be popular. So, did it really work out? Did he really gain more than he lost with all that dishonesty? Not to mention, if he has any heart at all, the guilt of having destroyed so many people's lives? Is that really more of a gain? All that money in his bank account? Has he really won that one? Look what's happening with Dan Bilzerian. There's a guy who pretends to be something he's not a lot, and this has been verified many times over. His whole life's crashing down around his ears right now. Did he really win? In the long run, did he gain? Think about those people. I can't count the number of clients or near clients I've had with this one. Getting divorced after 10 plus years of marriage when all the lies finally come crashing down, where all the bitterness and resentment finally comes out. Did they really win from their little lies during the dating process to make the person like them more? Did they gain, really? So when you say you've got more to gain than lose, you've got two questions to ask yourself. What am I prioritizing over my integrity? Because it's the only way you can lose something by being honest. And secondly, in the long run, will I actually lose more? Because I tell you what, I'm, I'm running a nice six-figure business right now. And I've stopped trying to use any special marketing tricks and techniques and deceptions. I didn't use many of them, but I did trial them at the start of my business. And you know what? They just held my business back. Now, I'm not saying I'm a representative example, but I do know a lot of coaches trying to make it, and most of them fail. And the ones who don't fail are the ones who prioritize their integrity. And I'm not making that up to prove a point. You can look it up yourself. Most of the coaches that break through to the top, and I don't mean the wannabe fucking gurus like Grant Cardone and all those losers. I mean real coaches. They're not famous, but they're fucking doing well. They have an audience with loyalty because they're trustworthy. So what's better? What really loses and what really gains when it comes to honesty? Worth a thought. The only question you really need to answer is, why do I prioritize something over my integrity? What could be better than that?
if integrity really is the recipe for self-confidence and love of life. What else is better than that? What is? <laughs> you really think money's going to get you there quicker? Really? You think fame's going to get you there quicker? Then why did Robin Williams kill himself? After years of being fake. Worth thinking about. Got another one here, real classic, uh, simple yet powerful one. Being honest is not worth the hassle. I think I've already answered this one with the other questions in a roundabout way. We essentially take the easy way out. Honesty looks like it's going to be a little bit of a conflict or it's going to create more conversation that's necessary right now. Like I said, what's your main aim? Integrity or something else? Is it a hassle to build your integrity? Why? Why do you see it as a hassle? Why do you see getting more confident as a hassle? Like, is there any hassle that is more worth it than that? I think of a hassle like I think of a workout as a hassle. If I want my muscles to be strong, if I want my joints to be mobile, if I want to have the energy to play with my kid well into my 60s and 70s, I need to work out. Simple as that. I need to endure that hassle. you got to ask yourself, why do you want a hassle-free life? Do you want to be fragile? Do you want to be weak? Because that's what a hassle-free life will get you. We have a name for people like that when they're younger. Spoiled. Do you want to be spoiled? Or do you want to be philosophical? Do you want to endure the right hardships at the right time so that you're always strong, mentally if not physically? I don't have to have a cold shower every morning. It doesn't do me much benefit physically or anything else. But you know what it does? It makes me uncomfortable for about a minute. And that's the only reason I do it. Because I want to be strong. Because when the winter comes and it's cold outside, I want to walk around knowing, hey, I can handle this a little bit better than I could have if I didn't do all those cold showers. And when I'm facing some big task that I don't want to start, and I get started, I go, huh, that's because every morning I walk into a cold shower. Honesty requires this little oomph at the start. Once you get started, then the conversation begins and you're in it. You can't really get out, and it's a good, like, effort's over. But that little uphill effort at the start, that little hassle, as you call it, make or break. Whether or not you're going to be a great person who you admire when you look in the mirror comes down to whether or not you're going to do that tiny little hassle. So think about it that way. Every one of those hassles that you pass up is an opportunity missed. Ah, another great one here. Getting caught off guard in the moment then feeling like you can't go back and correct it. Now I'm being influenced by the pressure of other person's thoughts or ideas and can't seem to stand up for how I'm truly feeling in reaction to them. Then it seems like it's too late once the conversation is over and you realize what you've done. Okay, so this, this one comes up for people in a lot of ways. Like if you're arguing with someone who's really articulate and witty and your brain just doesn't work that quickly or your ideas aren't that strongly formed. Or you just kind of stutter and stumble because someone shocks you with a question and a lie slips out of your mouth and you think, oh fuck, I've said it now, it's over. This kind of sensation like, oh, it's too late now, right? Well, guess what? It's never too late. It's never too late to redeem yourself. Sometimes it's too late to talk to that particular person about that particular topic. Yes. But most of the time it's not. Most of the time that person and that topic is still up if you want to bring it up. And even if it's not, you can still come back to being honest. See, being an honest person doesn't really mean you're consistently honest all the time because nobody is. 
It means you choose to be honest again now. That's it. You just have this constant drive in yourself to get back to honesty. You are going to slip and trip and fall, but that's not an excuse to stay dishonest. It's like if you steal something, you're like, oh, well, I'm a robber for life now, you know. Or you punch someone and you're like, okay, I guess I've got to be violent all the time now. No, you don't. You can stop. You can go back to being non-violent. You can go back to being giving rather than stealing. You can always go back to honesty. You know, I, I taught myself this lesson when I was practicing social courage by approaching strangers and telling them how I felt. Let's be fair, usually women that I was attracted to, but there were others. And I'd see someone like, oh, okay, go talk to her. And I'd just have like a mini panic attack and they would walk and walk and I just couldn't make myself move. And then they'd get into a car and leave. And I'm like, I fucking missed it. Missed that opportunity. No, I didn't. Because then I'd just look up and go, well, who else can I do it with? And I'd go redeem myself by at least talking to someone else. Well, you can do this too. You might not stand up for yourself right there in the moment, but maybe you can come back and tell them something. Maybe you can record something that you post online. Maybe you can go tell another friend who's less likely to interrupt you. Maybe you can go away and journal and try to get your ideas in order, and then you'll be better prepared the next time this comes up. But most importantly, what you can do is learn how to talk about the barriers to honesty themselves. See, a lot of people in a conversation, for whatever reason, a barrier to honesty comes up and they're stuck in their head trying to solve it, work with it, get around it, argue with it, and then the opportunity to be honest passes them by while they're having this little internal conflict. But if you get good about talking about how hard it is to be honest, you'll never get lost and left behind. You know, if someone does a big argument with you and you could be like, you know what, I want to argue back, but I'm just like flustered right now, I can't think of a good thing to say then you don't have to get left behind because you're being honest right there. You're not getting out the point you wish you could, but at least you're getting honesty out. And in fact, it's more honest for you to say that you're struggling to be honest than it is to say the thing itself that you're trying to say. And a lot of people don't do this because they don't want to be seen as stupid or weak or whatever, but it's so much weaker to be dishonest. Dishonesty is for the weak. It's for the cowardly. Right? You know it. We all know it. Every time we've been dishonest, it's because we're pussies. Right? We're all the same. So you don't have to win the argument to be strong. You just have to be honest. Even if honesty is to say, like, I'm too scared to fucking argue with you. Like, sometimes I imagine myself being in a debate with, say, someone like Ben Shapiro. Right? Super intelligent. Really quick-witted. And really good at debating. His technique is really good. It's really hard to make points against him even when he's wrong. But I think, you know, if I was in an argument with him, I'd have to spend most of my time talking about how difficult it is to argue with him, how intimidating he is, how convoluted he is, how argumentative he is. I'd talk about why it's hard to talk to him rather than actually trying to talk to him, if that makes sense. If you get good at that, then you're never going to have to worry about getting caught off guard in the moment. Get used to saying, you caught me off guard. I'm flustered. I don't have anything to say right now. I'll come back to you later. And then you'll never get left behind. All right. Oh, yeah, we've only got three more. I'll get through them. A little bit of a longer one. This one. When in a political situation at work where you have two workers in conflict and a negotiator, I think, and you feel the other person is being political. Also, is it okay to tell someone you don't like or respect them? You feel they are being dishonest and manipulative. 
Last question first. Is it okay to be honest? Yes. Do you have my permission? <laughs> do whatever you want. In fact, you have my full fucking endorsement. I'll back you anytime you like. I learned playing in a, you know, actually this was probably another education for me. When I worked in Department of Corrections, like any office environment, it was political, but also we were a government department, so it kind of amped up the politicalness of it all. Um, Especially because the way it was set up, if you wanted to rise and get promoted, most people did that through gameplay and politics than actual credit and merit. And the system was actually set up in such a way where you could get away with that. You know, you could jump from building to building where no one knows you and slowly work your way up without actually being any good at your job. And uh, then there was just the normal office politics, gossip behind people's back, team versus team, building versus building. Those guys are always like this, that kind of bullshit. And then the managers always vying and competing with each other for resources or to get the best staff. It's all that stuff, which I think is pretty normal in any large company. I can't remember where I got this from, but there was this idea that the only way to win the game is not play. I think it began when I started doing work on myself. One of the first things I agreed with myself was I was no longer going to get involved with gossip. It was one of my sort of pet peeves about myself that I didn't like. You know, is that when people gossiped, I'd get involved, and I never felt right with that. I'm always like, why am I having this conversation? I fucking hate it when someone talks about me behind my back. Why am I doing it to others? And it used to nag me, so I thought one of my first moves was, okay, let's just stop doing that. At least just stop it. And I would actually confront people and say, look, I just don't want to talk about someone behind their back. Can we change the topic? And so on. And eventually I I was left out, right? Nobody wanted to talk to me anymore because nearly everyone was a gossip. Only a few people were my friends. I was basically on my own at work, but I was okay with that because I just eat my lunch at the mall and hang out with friends instead. That's how it begun for me. And then I started to realize that the way the gossip was hurting everybody, you know, there was all sorts of dramas going on and conflicts in the workplace. I was just cruising above it all. I was never involved in it. And it was really nice. You know, you'd watch people have to get taken into HR because they've started some shit between them and some other people and whatever. I'm like, huh, I never have to go to see HR because I never have beef with anybody. It's because I just don't want to play the game. Then I got made a manager, and that's when politics became a big deal. And I had a coach. It was my first ever coach at the time. And what was she talking I think it was business acumen was the term. She said, look, you can avoid playing the game, but you can't be naive about the game. And there's a way to sort of blast through it. And it was really just be honest about the game itself. That's a way, it's funny, I never see politicians do this, and I'm so sure it would be effective, is you call out the politics itself and make a commitment to being above it. You know, an example of this would be I was at like a manager's team meeting, and all the managers are like bitching and backstabbing and trying to get out of doing stuff and, you know, passing the buck. And I'd always just say, look, I don't want to play this blame game. Just let's just say it's my fault and I'll take care of it. So give me the job and I'll fix it. And I just used to keep calling out like, I don't want to play the game. Let's just give me the responsibility and I'll fix it. And they were, <laughs> to their detriment, they were quite happy with that. They would all be like, fine, let Dan deal with the shit thing or... Dan has to go face the public and tell them what happened. And, you know, they were trying to, like, set me up as the fall guy or essentially I was asking to be the fall guy. But you know what happened? 
that fucking solidified my career. I found out later on that the very higher-ups were watching me do this, and they're like, that guy, he's going to be the next one in our team. And so by not playing the game, by taking responsibility and refusing to play politics, and by just being really honest and bold, but not being naive to the game, but calling it out like you're watching children manipulate each other, and just say, I'm not having no fucking bar of this, but not running away either, you end up being this person who's kind of untouchable. And in the right company, that'll do you very well. And a company that, like, from the very highest level up, is all about politics and gameplay, you'll not do well. But trust me, you don't want to be in that company. It's better to get fired from that company and be hired by the company that rewards integrity, because then your career is going to shine. But, yeah, the only way to deal with manipulation is to call it out, and you can check out my podcast on manipulation for more on that. Couple more questions. Next one. Knowing your honest truth in the first place, how to remember to stay self-aware of that truth in the moment when in so many habitual situations like the workplace and family, I exit a situation and later realize that I was on autopilot. How do you even know what your truth is? For me, I suspect it's often very deeply buried. Now, this is actually a distraction. If you sit around trying to figure out what the truth is, you're not expressing yourself. Think of the truth as like a half-formed idea in your head that will only make sense and be fully completed once it comes out of your mouth. So rather than trying to find the real truth, just try to express yourself as often as possible. It's in the expression that the truth gets formed. It isn't some deeply buried thing. Well, even if it is, it's more like every layer that you dig is truthful. It just gets deeper and deeper and more and more truthful. But it's always honesty. So it's not like I have to talk and journal and dig for hours and hours before I find out who I really am. As soon as I start being honest, I'm there already. I uh, I think of a situation where, let's say I'm, I don't know, let's say I'm feeling upset with my wife. But I don't really know why. I don't know what I really feel. I don't know what started this feeling. I could sit there and journal and fume and sulk for hours trying to figure it out, and I've fallen into that trap more than a couple of times. Or I can just say to her, like, I don't feel very good. Now that's obviously not the most deepest, accurate thing I could possibly say, but it is the most honest thing I could say in that moment. And from there she might say something like, well, what do you mean? And then I'll say a bit more, and then she'll dig a bit more, and we'll go back and forth, And the truth will get deeper and deeper, but actually the whole time I'm being honest, as honest as I can be. Now going back to the original sort of dilemma is how do you even stay self-aware? It's about breaking autopilot. Knowing where you're at risk of being autopilot, like at work or with your family. And creating some sort of pattern break. Uh, You could have your phone beep every half an hour, and every time it beeps you just got to stop and go wait. Am I on autopilot or am I being real right now? And just ask yourself that question. Um, It really is kind of as simple as that. Like, I used to go autopilot a lot and I'd just prime myself before those situations. I'd be like, not this time. Just be honest. Stay focused. Be present. Pay attention. Listen to people. Try your best to be honest. And I treat every situation, even if it's something like work, where I have the additional goal of trying to make money and do my job, I would make my primary goal be honest. 
and like I become really focused on that. Now I drift in and out of autopilot and presence, but the more I was in presence, the more I'd break autopilot. So for example, if you're on autopilot at work and then you snap out of it and start being honest, you might spark a conversation that's more honest than usual and then you'll stay in there. You won't go back to autopilot because now everyone's having a real conversation. So if you can keep snapping out of it, you'll get to stay out of it for longer. And you also need to explore afterwards, like, how do I know when I'm on autopilot? How can I catch it happening? You know, what are the feelings? What is the self-narrative? Because you're always kind of aware of something, aren't you? And maybe you're just uh, watching the clock waiting for work to end, or maybe when you're on a date, you're just thinking of the right thing to say, or whatever. There's these kind of warning signs that you're not really there. And you can just break out of that. One question you can ask yourself to really break out of it at any given time is, what don't I want people to know about me right now? If you can say that out loud, you don't have to worry about uh, autopilot. You also don't have to worry about what your deepest truth is, because the answer to that question is your current deepest truth. And you're right there. That's as shameless as you can be to answer that question. Okay, last one, and we'll wrap this up. I just don't feel the point sometimes. Like, if I see someone who is advocating for what they want externally, they wouldn't go to the gym despite objective benefits and treat opposition as, you don't know what it's like to be me. Hold on, let me see if I understand this. I was just reading through it, I didn't quite get it, but I think the gist is, is someone, they're externally advocating for what they want, they'll say, I want this and I want that, and yet they are really resistant and they object to that, and they say things like, you don't know what it's like to be me. So I think the example I'm thinking of, let's say somebody's really obese, and they're just like, well, I, I, you know, I like my body as it is, I'm fine with it, you know, blah, 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 that kind of thing. I think that's what this guy's trying to say in the comments. Uh, the comments were a little bit um, confusing for me. So they're losing, and you feel for them, and you feel like all you can do is set an example, but that just gets judgment from them. Why bother? So, I think the real question being asked here is, why bother being truthful to someone who's just going to be really resistant to it? Again, come back to your agenda. Why are you being truthful in the first place? If you think, oh, I can't be bothered because they're not going to listen to me, then your ultimate outcome isn't integrity. You're obviously going for something else, like controlling other people, like making people see the world the way you do. Like convincing people to be grateful for your advice or something. You're going for an outcome that isn't integrity. Here's the main thing. If you make integrity the number one reason you do anything, then you're always going to be bothered to do it. It doesn't matter how people react. You know, I put out these podcasts, I do my videos, I post, I write books. I don't fucking care if people agree with me or not. Really. I mean, some part of me gets a bit of a thrill when somebody goes, oh, that's a good idea. And some part of me like rolls my eyes when somebody goes, you're fucking full of shit, cunt. Just a little bit. Like, there's that. I'm not 100%, but that's not why I put the message out there. If I listen to one of my own podcasts, which I sometimes do, admittedly, or watch one of my own videos, if I watch that and go, yeah, that is what I believe, then mission accomplished. A great example of this, I did a, a video on the um, group or the philosophy of men going their own way, MGTOW. 
It's by far my most hated piece of content that I've ever done. It's got tons of dislikes. All the comments are basically an insult towards me personally. I even deleted and blocked some people because of how vicious they were getting. But I don't take that video down. I watched it again. I thought, yep, that's exactly what I believe. It doesn't matter if people agree. It doesn't matter if I'm convincing anyone. It's not a video that particularly serves anyone. Because the people who are in MGTOW think I'm full of shit. And the people who aren't already agree with me anyway. So nobody's moved by that video. But I felt like it was something I just really wanted to say. It was just me being truthful. And that alone is the reason to put the video out. So if you're feeling like you can't be bothered. Or it's a hassle. There's no point in telling someone something. You've got to start back with. Well what is my agenda here? What's my intention? Am I trying to control them? Am I trying to make people do stuff? Is that a healthy intention for me to have? Because I tell you what, like I keep saying, if integrity is your primary motive, if you want to be a confident person, which I believe is done by living with integrity, then there's always a good reason to be honest, even if the other person isn't going to listen to you. I've had some clients go and be honest to people who aren't even alive anymore. I've had one client go and go to his father's grave, I think it was, and tell him how he really felt. Because getting it out is what's important. Validating your own truth. Giving yourself approval. That's what matters. If other people don't like it, fuck them. They can walk away. It's not about convincing them. It's about you being honest and you making sure that you go to bed at night and going, I did not deny myself the chance to speak the truth. Alright, that'll do for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please grab a copy of my new book, The Naked Truth. There'll be a link below this podcast. And I'll see you guys all next time. Cheers.